We meet today in Jeremiah chapter 2, and out of this chapter, we will pick on selected verses. The main theme in this chapter is the twofold condemnation of Judah. In chapter 1 of Jeremiah, we saw the impressive call and the commission of Jeremiah. God called him when he was a young man, probably about the age of 20 years. We know also that King Josiah was 21 or 22 years old when God called Jeremiah. So here we have two young men in the land of Israel, the young king and the young prophet. Jeremiah made it very clear that he felt incapable and unworthy of such a calling. He felt that he could not measure up to the office of a prophet, and he offered that as an excuse. God answered him that he would put his words into Jeremiah's mouth. He would be giving God's words, not his own. Chapter 2 all the way to chapter 6 were given during the first five years of Jeremiah's ministry. And since he began to prophesy in the 13th year of the reign of King Josiah, these messages were given in those five years before the finding of the book of the law in the temple. The messages in chapter 7 all the way to chapter 9 had to do with the cleansing of the temple and the discovery of the book of the law, which took place in the 18th year of the reign of King Josiah. Then in chapter 10 through chapter 12, we see the messages which came in the period of reform and revival after the finding of the book of the law. We will discover that the revival was a surface sort of a thing, because there was no proper emphasis placed upon the word of God. Remember, I highlighted the fact that there is no genuine revival that can come if there is no emphasis on the word of God. My friend, we need to remember that there will never be any revival until there is a real emphasis upon the word of God. People who will come and rejoice over whatever man does or man's opinion and the performances that we see in the contemporary church today. This is not a revival, my friend. When there is a return to the word of God, there is revival. It was true during Ezra and Nehemiah's time. It was true also when Josiah was reigning. And now we are looking at the fact of Josiah's reign and bringing of the revival after the law had been discovered, after the cleansing of the temple. Now, in order to orient ourselves with this history, we needed to study the historic books along with the prophetic books. Therefore, we will turn back to Second Chronicles chapter 34 to fit the messages of Jeremiah into this particular place in history. Second Chronicles chapter 32 verse 1 to verse 2 tells us, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Now, here is an outstanding king who reigned during the twilight of the kingdom of Judah. 
we read in verse 3 of Second Chronicles chapter 34, the word of God says, For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. You see, Jeremiah's first five years of prophesying were during this period. We read further in Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse 4, all the way to verse 8. The word of God says, They broke down the altars of Baals in his presence, and the incense altars which were above them he cut down, and the wooden images, the carved images and the molded images he broke in pieces, and made dust of them and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priests on the altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And so he did in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as Naphtali, and all around, with axes. When he had broken down the altars, and the wooden images had been beaten, the carved images into powder, and cut down all the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. In the eighteenth year of his reign, when he had purged the land, and the temple, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, and Maaziah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Jehoaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. Thus, the historical setting of the period we are looking at in Jeremiah's prophecies, it was during this time of cleansing out and repairing the house of the Lord that Helkiah the priest found a book of the law as it had been given to Moses. In those days, probably there were only two copies, one for the king and one for the high priest. You see, before Josiah had become the king and had come to the throne, Judah had sunk to a new base under the wicked and godless reigns of his grandfather Manasseh and his father Ammon. They had no regard for God or his word, and the one or two copies in existence were finally lost in the rubbish which collected in the neglected temple. You can almost picture the deplorable condition of the temple no longer used, and people are not going to the house of the Lord, and the copies of the Bible have been lost. And why even the book of the law, which belonged to the king, should even be in the temple instead of the palace, meaning to say the king might, might have said, just take this to the temple. He did not have any interest in reading God's word. But here comes a change. During Josiah's reign, the revival is coming and the temple is being cleansed. Then the book of the law is found. Jeremiah's first message, chapter 2, all the way to chapter 3, verse 5 is to these people who had forsaken the living God. Now, it would be difficult to find any portion of Scripture that would surpass it in genuine pathos and tenderness. It is the eloquent and earnest pleading of a God who has been forgotten and insulted. His grace and compassion towards the guilty nation are blended with solemn warnings of dreadful days to come if hearts are not turned back to him. 
This is one of the greatest discourses in the word of God. The young king Josiah was truly seeking the Lord, but he didn't have the word of God. He didn't know, however, that idolatry must be put down. Now he was a young man, a young prophet, who will encourage him in this resolve, who will encourage him in his resolve to see that the word of God is restored. Of course, Jeremiah is alongside him. First of all, we have a look at the fact that Israel, Judah, rejected Jehovah. These messages delivered by Jeremiah were descriptive of the conditions in the land during the time of Josiah's early reign. They pictured the moral corruption of the nation and the inevitable punishment which the people should expect. Here is Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 3. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal, when you went after me in the wilderness, in a land not sown. Israel was holiness to the Lord, the first fruits of his increase, all that devour him will offend, disaster will come upon them says the Lord. You see here, God is doing something quite wonderful. He is asking Israel to remember the springtime of their relationship to him when he called them out of the land of Egypt, how they followed the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day. Out in that frightful and terrible wilderness, they sought the Lord. The Lord was kind to them. Actually, the Hebrew word translated kindness in verse 2 usually refers to God's loving kindness expressed in his covenant relationship with Israel. God's kindness denotes persistent and unconditional tenderness and mercy, a relationship in which God seeks after man with love and mercy. Man's kindness is pictured in the loving bride who clings to her beloved bridegroom. This state of betrothal between God and Israel is the period from Israel's deliverance out of Egypt to the establishment of the covenant at Mount Sinai. Here it refers to Israel's love for Yahweh, which the nation had expressed in days gone by. In verse 7, the words a bountiful country literally mean a garden land. So the picture is one of protection and security made possible by God's presence and goodness. God had been kind to them. Now God reminds them of his kindness. After he had blessed them and given them a good land, they turned from him. As Hosea had, had said of the northern kingdom, is Ephraim waxed fate and wicked. In their comfortable and sophisticated society, they turned away from the living God to serve idols. Now, one cannot help but note that there is here an analogy between Judah and many of our nations. God is left out today in many of our nations, even some nations with a history of men and women who believed God and his word have turned away from God in the name of technological development. 
the men and the women at the top do not know or do not have any regard for our spiritual heritage. We have turned away from God. We are going after the idol of the almighty dollar, the material possessions. Well, my friend, the best news out of our commercial cities is a vigorous stock market, a healthy stock market. The best news is that which will put more money in our pockets. Money is the God of the present hour. God says, I remember you. They had forgotten him, but God had not forgotten them. Oh, how gracious God is. Even when we will forget him, he has not forgotten us. Listen to his longing. Israel was holiness to the Lord. Don't you remember back there where you were? You belonged to me. You followed me and you were led by me. That is a wonderful longing from God's heart. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Jeremiah 2 verse 4. Here, although the Assyrians had conquered the ten tribes, they were still around. He addresses the house of Jacob and all the families of Israel. And they are the same people today, by the way. God's message was to them in that day, although they were in the Assyrian captivity. Thus says the Lord, What injustice have your fathers found in me, that they have gone far from me, have followed idols, and have become idolaters? Jeremiah 2 verse 5 Now without doubt this is one of the greatest passages of the word of God. Notice the wonderful way in which God approaches them. What did I do wrong that you have turned away from me? You see, in our day, what is wrong with God that we are not interested in him anymore? Why are we not serving him? Is there unrighteousness with God? Is there injustice with God? Is God doing something wrong today? He asks this question. What injustice have your fathers found in me? That question is a rhetorical question, meaning to say God has been faithful. In fact, the expected answer is none. Please note that false religion always produces emptiness. And the word translated idols also means emptiness. This word can refer to the breath seen on a frost morning. It is present for an instant, then it is gone. So this verse shows a progression. As the people followed after vain religions, they themselves became vain. They became empty themselves. I brought you into a bountiful country to eat its fruit and its goodness. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. Jeremiah 2 verse 7. You see, today we hear a great deal about ecology and the fact that we need to clean up the land. Well, this is good. The land needs cleaning up. But let us also realize that there is a lot of moral filth around and a lot of degradation and deterioration in character. This is the thing that the Lord God is talking about here. They had polluted God's land. God intended that they be a witness to him. Instead, they are as bad as the people before them. The priests did not say, where is the Lord? 
and those who handled the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. Jeremiah 2 verse 8. Here God puts the responsibility squarely on spiritual leaders. And I believe that the problem in any country begin in the church. No nation falls until it falls first spiritually. There is, first of all, spiritual apostasy, then there is moral awfulness, and finally there is political anarchy. The priests do not say, where is the Lord? You see, there are many people today who are supposed to be Bible teachers and preachers and witnesses for Christ, even among the laymen, but from those Many do not know the word of God. As a result of not knowing the word of God, they don't really know God. It is necessary to know the word of God in order to know him, my friend. Therefore, I will yet bring charges against you, says the Lord, and against your children's children, I will bring charges. Jeremiah 2 verse 9. Now, the Hebrew word translated bring charges here is a legal term denoting contenting. The people of Israel have put themselves in the position of defendant. God is both plaintiff and judge, setting forth his accusations. No defendant can escape condemnation. We saw that even in chapter 1 verse 16. As long as that defendant continues in rebellion, God is saying, I have not given up on you. I'm still going to plead with you. Oh, that turns the picture around. God is so wonderful. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and held themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. Jeremiah 2 verse 13. You see, here Israel had committed two evils. First of all, they rejected Jehovah, the fountain of living waters. Secondly, they held themselves cisterns which were broken and cisterns that could not hold water. Now, the ancient landowners would actually dig cisterns to collect the rainwater. To ensure that the cistern could hold water, the landowners plastered it inside with lime. Often cracks would develop and the water would leak out. In like manner, Israel had abandoned Yahweh, the fountain of living water or the fountain of life. And why did they abandon Yahweh? They were doing that in exchange for man-made powerless gods. Oh, how many people today have actually hewn out little cisterns for themselves and they drink from their own cisterns. Of course, they are not finding satisfaction. For example, every man who has made a million dollar thirst for more, every man who has made even a big fortune money-wise continues to long for more. He wants to make the second million, the second billion, whatever the highest figure may be. The same is true for firm. The same is true for power. There is never enough to satisfy. God goes on to deal with these people, mentioning their backsliding for the first time. Your own wickedness will correct you and your backslidings will rebuke you. 
Know therefore and see that it is an evil and a bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God, and the fear of me is not in you, says the Lord God of hosts. Jeremiah 2 verse 19. Actually, in chapter 3, we will find that backsliding is mentioned in one chapter as many times as it is mentioned in the rest of the Bible. So it must rather be a very important matter to God. They were backsliding. Not only did they backslide, but they also reared their own gods. They prepared their own gods. That's the remainder of this chapter, chapter 2. It is actually a polemic against idolatry, which continues all the way into chapter 3. Rather than quote this section, actually, I want to recommend that you read it in your own Bible. Read it all the way through. You will become familiar with the prophets of Jeremiah, and you will be surprised how wonderful it will become to you as you understand what they were beginning to do. And of course, the description is that they were making things that had limbs but could not move, that had all the features of a human being but could not help. My friend, it is interesting to see that when man rejects God, he always will make an idol. When people make their own God, they make it as they want it, you see. They make a God whose demands they can meet. And in other words, it is actually a projection of the old sinful nature that is in you. My friend, God's word says you shall worship God and worship him alone, never bowing to an idol. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven seven two six four one four four seven five. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code 27 followed by 72641-4475. From within South Africa, it's 072-641-4475.